Welcome, welcome. I'm glad to have you back on the X podcast. I'm Brenda, your podcast host, and I'm also the founder of the Aligned AF community uh, with women entrepreneurs and soon-to-be entrepreneurs, business leaders that are talking about making big changes in their businesses, launching their new business this year. I'm excited to bring this podcast to all of you um, because I think it's important to sort of talk about what's going on behind the scenes in your business. And I'm always curious what got people from here to there. Uh, even in my own business, I'm constantly reflecting about what systems, processes, technology, um, know-how, chutzpah is working for me. So I'm really excited to bring on this next guest. Her name's Amber. And we recorded this session. It's now fall of 2023, but we recorded this session back in the late spring, early summer when I was still hosting the Three Uniques podcast. And so Amber came on to share with us what makes her unique. But here's the thing about Amber. Amber is a Gen X woman. She's an entrepreneur. She is an HR consultant. She has an agency. She leads a team of people and she supports CEOs in small to mid-sized businesses. And there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to take away from Amber's interview, even under the banner of the three uniques, uh, because it's all behind the scenes. It's all her know-how, everything that she's learned over the years of bringing HR strategy to life, whether that's been in her training workshops, in her performance management tools that she's equipped leaders with, whether that's in the compensation programs that she's used to re uh, reward and retain amazing employees and the organization she's worked for. You're going to learn a lot from Amber. And if you're an entrepreneur out there, you may need Amber in your business at some point or another. You may be starting to bring on employees, uh, independent contractors. Yes, sometimes you need HR for independent contractors as well. So take note of who she is reach out to Amber. I'm glad that she's on our call today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Three Uniques podcast. I'm excited. Today we have on Amber Jordan. Hi, Amber. How are you doing today? I'm good, Brenda. How are you? I'm good. Amber is with Hydra Management Consultancy. So what do you do? What is Hydra all about? Let's hear that first. Sounds good. Um, Hydra is a consulting company and we focus on providing fractional support to small to medium-sized businesses in HR, finance, and technology. So we have the three business areas and I'm responsible for the HR consulting practice. Um, I co-founded the business with two partners, each of whom lead up one of the other areas. Amazing. And you have a long history in HR. What made you decide to go into that field? Um, that, yeah, I was reflecting on that this morning. Um, I had family members who were in business. And so I knew that business was a place that I wanted to be in. I was attracted to the corporate world. And I also knew that my personality didn't really lend itself to a finance role or a marketing role. I was always more uh, people and human centered uh, in my, in sort of my thought process and what I focused on. And so when I learned about what HR was, and, and back then it was still a pretty new field, mm -hmm. it was kind of transitioning from personnel. Yes. I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so when I understood that HR was an option to um, focus on and still be in business, 
I thought it was the perfect match for me and my skill set and what I wanted to do. Awesome. And how long have you been in your business? Because like I mentioned, you've been a long history in HR. You're still doing HR work in your business. When did you decide to, you know, when did that entrepreneurial bug take root, <laughs> take flight? Yeah, well, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. Um, but as I've been doing it for a while now, I realize that I actually do have that um, that bug in me. Um, but for me, uh, it was something I always thought about in my career. I always knew that I didn't necessarily actually fit in the corporate world, even though it was something that I wanted and I had targeted to do in my career. Um, and I thought consulting would be an interesting career path kind of later later in my career. Um, and I found myself, um, I didn't have a job and I was looking for something else. But while I was looking for something else, a friend of mine needed some HR help at her company. And so I started doing some contract work with her. And then I got a second contract gig with another company to do uh, sort of an interim HR leadership role. And so it sort of slowly developed and I thought, hey, I might be able to make this work. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really appealing. I had gone through a really large change in my life that I thought, you know, this might be the time for me to explore this and see. And I felt like, well, I can always still go and get another job. So always thought, a backup, always a backup, <laughs> <laughs> always a backup. Yeah. So I thought I would give it a try. So that was, um, we had just passed the four year mark of being on my own. I originally started independently. Um, mm -hmm. and then, um, one of my business partners came to me with the idea of Hydra. And so we shifted into the joint venture together, um, and have carried on since then. Okay. So there's so many paths I want to go right now. One is we could just dive into this whole, like getting out of corporate and starting your own business in a mm -hmm. practice that you love Two, I want to dive a little bit more into your practice and how you support your clients so that people can understand that. And then three, we're going to get to your three unique. So I've got a bit of an agenda just so you know. Um, so right. let's go back to you diving into your own business. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that was, there was something, you know, a big change that was going on in your life. Um, apart from that, what, you know, what was sort of that aching point or, you know, like to, to move you into the direction of like setting up your own business? You mentioned that you kind of tried it with uh, a friend's company and, you know, starting that path, but what was the big, I guess, impetus for you, like to just go and do it? I think it was two things. Um, I think one was I did struggle in the corporate world to be who I am and fit in the mold of what was expected of me mm -hmm. in an HR leadership role in a corporate structure. And so I found that quite stressful and led to a lot of burnout in terms of working for somebody else's agenda and somebody else's benefit. Um, and it didn't always line up with my own values, my own agenda, the things that I thought would make the biggest impact in an organization. And so I, I, I wanted, I like the idea of sort of being in more control of that and having the benefits of being um, self-employed kind of be like, I would receive those benefits. But then the flip side of that is whatever choices I was making in my business, 
um, if there were negative impacts to that or trade-offs that I had to make, it still was all for me and what was important to me. So if I don't want to have as many clients because I want to do other things in my life, that's my choice. Right. I get to make those decisions and those trade-offs and determine what's important for me. In the corporate world, that's a lot harder to do. For sure. Because you're, you know, you're following someone else's strategy. Like you said, someone else's goals, someone else's like intentions around what they want to do in the business and you're working for someone else. So technically you're an employee and you got to, you got to do what they're asking you to do. Sorry. My dog in the background is like decided to wake up. <laughs> That's okay. Um, That's okay. What's been the biggest lesson or learning for you starting your own business? I think this is probably a common experience for entrepreneurs is that you have to wear so many hats and you have to do things that you don't necessarily haven't necessarily practiced in your own career um, and and use skills that you don't maybe have. So um, it's it's giving yourself kind of the space to figure that out and recognizing you're not going to have all the answers right away. And there's different ways to get that experience. So um, you know, utilizing support and expertise from other folks in, in your network or working with you as a coach, as an example. Um, and then also just being willing to learn and fail and figure it out and recognize that you're going to have those ups and downs. But if it's still what you want to be doing and is allowing you to live in your purpose and your vision, then you just keep going and keep trying to make it work and dust yourself off and try again. I love it. I love it. And I, I, I love even just like sort of like hearing about your journey to this point. So Amber, who are some of the people that you support in your business? Good question. Um, so we definitely support uh, entrepreneurs who are running their own small businesses, um, CEOs, uh, business owners, and then other business leaders within an organization. Um, and, you know, we recognize that small to medium sized businesses can't always afford full time resources in HR tech or finance. And so we see ourselves as an extension of their team to achieve what they're trying to achieve. And we our approach is always more relational and we want a long-term um, connection with our clients because then we can really understand their business. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. That takes time to understand what's important to them, what their strategy is, how they want to grow or how they want to develop the business. And we also get to know the people because especially from an HR standpoint, um, I can have all the strategies and tools and tips in the world, mm -hmm. but unless I understand the dynamics of that particular organization or that particular company, then it's not going to work. I can't just drop in a set of templates or um, a specific thing and think that, okay, they can just run with it and, and take it. So we really are a bit of a safety net and a, a sounding board and a support for those leaders who are often handling these things off to the side of their desk mm -hmm. um, without having the knowledge or experience. Just like me, when I'm trying to do sales and marketing as a business owner, this is not what I grew up in my career knowing how to do. Well, likewise, a lot of these folks don't 
have a finance degree or have HR experience. And so right. we're really there to, to help them sleep better at night so that because we're handling some of those things that we have expertise in so that they can go and also do the things that they're best in uh, because they started their company based on something that they're really good at or that they know a lot about. And I think, you know, HR itself has gone through a huge evolution. Like I know when I first entered into it, we were just sort of embarking upon the conversations around employee engagement. Now it's all about diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. You know, those conversations, as much as I would love to say that they were a part of HR strategies like 20, 25 years ago, they weren't, let's face it, they weren't there. We were, and again, barely sort of, you know, touching the, you know, the tip of the iceberg around engagement. Prior to that, it was fairly command and control in organizations. I'm a manager, you're an employee, you do work for me, I pay you. That's the extent of the relationship. And I think you know now we've got three, almost four generations, right, of workforces in organizations today between boomers all the way to Gen Z. Like mm-hmm. our kids are, you know, getting part-time jobs that, you know, those people are entering the workforce. And so I think the reality is, is that for the average owner, because we're talking small, mid-sized businesses, we're not talking about Fortune 500 companies that have like 20 to 40 people, like HR teams, et cetera. We're talking about like, you know, maybe a family-owned business that has a, you know, set of coffee shops. So they just expanded from one coffee shop to now three or something. And now they've mm-hmm. got, uh, let's say, 30 employees working for them over three locations. They mm-hmm. may need to put together a retention strategy, like an engagement strategy. What does that look like? This is like the perfect opportunity to bring in a group like yourself to help them with that versus, oh, I need to like now bring in a whole HR generalist. No offense to the HR generalists that are listening that just thought I just walked them out of a job, but they can't afford you anyways. They're not going to pay like 60 to 80, you know, $80,000 a year for that type of role. They they would rather put that into marketing and new product development, but to bring Mm -hmm. on someone like yourself that can help them grow their business and scale it up so that they're not having to go through mass exodus of people, you know, poor management practices that just, you know, get staff quitting on them. What's your thought on that? Like when's the optimal time really for people to think about utilizing you versus obviously putting in the big investment and bringing on like a full-time HR generalist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all really good points, Brendan. I think you're right that the, the world of work has changed and evolved so much, especially since the pandemic, people's expectations are different. And so, yeah, you know, not all leaders are kind of up to date on what the new workforce needs, wants, expects. Um, In my opinion, there's no company that's too small to have some type of HR support. Mm. What I see happen is organizations, when they're in a growth mode, will focus on talent acquisition and they'll put, they'll be willing to spend money on a recruiting agency to bring in the talent that they need, but they ignore the, the, internal workplace systems and experiences and cultural aspects and let those kind of self-evolve. And there's something to be said for organic growth in your culture and, and how those people practices happen. But the risk is that if you don't have an intentional approach to those things, that you'll end up creating a culture and an organization that doesn't jive with your own values or the things that you really want your workplace to be. And so the sooner that we can engage in some of those conversations around what type of company do you want to build? Mm -hmm. What do you want that experience for your employees to be? Whether you have one, 10 or a hundred employees, 
um, we can build it in a way that's intentional and allow for the space for some of that organic uh, pieces to, to happen as well. And then we can start figuring out, well, what systems and structure do you need um, for the type of business that you're um, evolving into? And then how do we build it so that it's scalable for that growth? So, um, you know, a lot of people might say only one employee, that doesn't, you know, make sense. Um, so I'd say that's fair enough if you feel like you can do it on your own when you have one or two employees. But if you're starting to get six, seven, eight, nine, ten employees, like that, that's a decent size. And yeah. employees are savvy these days, right? Like it used to be when, you know, Brenda, when we were in the 90s and there was startup culture mm -hmm. and it was just exciting. And we, there was this idea that stock options, we were all going to get rich in the software companies. Right. Yeah. Right. We were the, the, the thing you had to put up with to get those things was no structure, um, low base pay, um, not a lot of benefits maybe, but tons of hours. In, yeah, tons of hours, you know, like our employees these days are too savvy. They're not prepared to give up all of that for whatever benefits might come down the line by being part of a startup. So companies have to pay attention to those things. There's so much competition. There's so much choice and people are just not going to put up with it. Well, and some of those tech companies that you and I know about, you know, that obviously started up when we were in tech, um, even the Googles of the world, the Apples of the world, Microsoft, they've all had in the last like five, six years, like employees walking out, like mass walkouts. We're not talking about like the companies that are like six or seven people. These are thousands of people globally leaving their jobs because it's like, you need to clean up your act. You need to pull up your socks here. So I think there's, these are things not to scare people, I think in business, but I think for those startup companies, those smaller businesses, uh, you don't want to be spending your time putting out these type of fires. You want to set up an organization, even if it's five employees in your company, the right way. It's all about your brand too, right? Your brand in the community. You don't want to be labeled as being like a bad employer. Like, oh, don't go to that business because they don't treat their people well. And even customers are saying that, right? Customers are giving reviews to businesses saying, I heard that they don't treat their people well. I'm not going to shop with them. I'm not going to use their services. Mm -hmm. Why would I perpetuate that in the, in the marketplace? So that's, I think, also something that's really important. And then I think the third thing is you mentioned, even if you're a company of one, I even go back to like the entrepreneurs out there. You may not have employees, but you're working with contractors. Maybe you're working mm -hmm. with a graphic designer. Yeah. Um, you need to know how to work with independent contractors. There's some legal ramifications, reporting on taxes, like, you know, like just making sure there's nothing sly going on and, you know, in order to protect them, but also to protect your own business. Yeah. The risk mitigation is a big one. And mm -hmm. that's a really great point because uh, a lot of, again, entrepreneurs don't know all of the potential risk areas that, um, you know, you can, there's landmines you might step on, right. That, um, you're not necessarily aware are there and um, we can help identify what those are and figure out when's the right time to bring in some of that so that you manage it. And, you know, I've had clients who have one employee and that one employee ends up taking a, a legal action against them. Right. They're not a huge company, but we, because we had a really clear contract and we had helped them set that up for that one employee, um, they were able to manage the risk of having that taken, you know, action taken, you know, 
against them. So uh, yeah, that risk mitigation piece is really critical um, to know that you're doing all those right things and kind of at least that base level of compliance, right? Before you grow and then, you know, there's more things that you have to worry about. Yeah, rip out and have to rebuild again. So you're also here today to share your three uniques. Now I'm going to like another sort of avenue of conversation today. Um, so let's hear them. What are your three uniques? Awesome. Um, so, you know, and, and it was interesting doing your quiz because sometimes it's hard for us to come up with our own mm -hmm. list. And when I read your the results of the quiz, I was like, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> um so I think one of my main uh, things that makes me unique is uh, I have high empathy. And that's been an interesting one for me throughout my career. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason why I think the corporate structure doesn't always um, work for me. But it really allows me to understand the experience of the people that I'm working with, um, whether I'm coaching them or it's an entrepreneur who's just overwhelmed and struggling with managing their business um, or my kids um, and what they're sure. going through. Um, it allows me to understand their experience and then hold um, compassion for that and create a safe space for them within that experience. Um, and I know that sometimes um, just because you understand someone's experience doesn't mean that you can always have to tolerate what their behavior is based on that, but just understanding it makes it much easier for me to not get triggered myself right. um, in response to that person. And then to be able to work through if there's an issue or whatnot. And then as a coach, just really allow me to give them that space to explore what's going on for them. And, you know, like some people might say, oh, that makes sense that uh, Amber is one of her uniques and she's an HR is that, you know, there's empathy. And I've also met HR leaders that are, you know, empathy is somewhere in their realm, but it's not necessarily their first one or even their 20th one. How has it been a differentiator for you in HR? Um, that's a great question. And I agree that there's not, not all HR people have that, um, as one of their top strengths. Um, for me, it's a differentiator because, I can see everyone's experience in the mix. Mm -hmm. And so I can understand all the experiences of the employees in an organization and then what's going on at the leadership level and how to bridge those two things together. Cause often that can feel like there's a big divide. Right. And I think it also allows me to recognize and help others recognize that as humans, we're all actually looking for the same things and there isn't as much difference Mm -hmm. If there's a conflict going on, then then we might think that there is. Um, and so helping others to see somebody else's perspective and take it away from, oh, you did this or you believe this and I believe something different just allows me to help people connect. Amazing. And your second unique? Um, my second would be communication. Okay. Uh, I see myself as a storyteller and trying to allow people to make sense of things through being able to talk about it and communicate about it. And I think by being able to share my own experiences and things that I've seen in the world, 
I think allows me to inspire some change and influence folks to um, see things again from another perspective or to understand that an approach or a strategy is the right path forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I might talk too much. <laughs> But I haven't, um, I haven't noticed, I haven't noticed that. I think there's always like a right tempo. Um, and then coupled, I think with the empathy for sure, that's something that I think makes you a really strong communicator that way. How, like, I mean, you were going to say something, but my question just sort of follow up on that one point uh, is how has your communication, like, I guess, served you um, when you've had to like, especially in the transition you were talking about going from that corporate executive position and into your own business, how has that Mm -hmm. been helpful for you? I think it helps me build relationships and trust quickly. And as a consultant, I I really, that was something I was worried about moving from an internal role to a consultant, because I think being an HR professional, it's very important that you build credibility and trust with people that you work with. Mm -hmm. And I was worried that it would be harder to do that as a consultant. Um, and I think that because of my empathy and my communication, I can build those relationships and that trust and credibility quite quickly, which then allows me to make a positive impact in their businesses quite quickly as well. Um, I don't want to be one of those consultants that says a lot of things and it doesn't add value. Like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to make an impact and help make people's lives easier and um, better and help their businesses thrive. And so I think I think communication paired with the empathy piece really expedites that relationship and collaboration. What would you say to somebody that's new to HR? Um, not necessarily going down the consultancy path that you're in right now, but you know wants to become like a really super great HR generalist. You mentioned that your sort of foundational belief is that, you know, HR needs to um, really be connected to people. How would they go about doing that if, you know, maybe communication isn't necessarily a strong point right now for them? What would be like a, you know, Amber's tip to doing that? A quick hack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that being a good communicator, part of that is being a good listener and being really curious. Mm -hmm. And so I think even if you're not comfortable being the one sort of speaking and and talking, you can flip it to the other way and just ask a lot of questions and be willing to listen to those answers. Um, And I think when you're an HR person in an organization, the more curiosity that you have and the more that you listen, the more you can understand how to connect the dots between what the business is trying to achieve and what the leaders need from the team members and what those team members are looking for and what's important to them. Um, So I would say, talk to as many people as you can and understand what they do, what motivates them, why they love what they do, what maybe challenges they have in what they do or how the workplace experience is and just collect all of that data because that will really, that will allow you to speak intelligently to the senior leadership when you're making your pitch on what HR programs or, you know, interventions are needed in the business because you've got the data to back it up and it builds credibility with the audience that you're supporting because they believe that you really understand them. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that. Okay. And your third unique. 
My third unique is, um, and I'm going to quote the report because I think it's a good, it is a good summary, is um, I don't settle for good enough. Mm. Um, I am a problem solver and I am always pushing for um, something to be better than it was yesterday. And, you know, probably when I was earlier in my career as a bit of an idealist, so I might have pushed harder to do that ideal situation right off the bat. I've learned that you still have to meet people where they are. And so you're not always going to get to that ideal situation right off the hop. But it's like, what's the step we're making towards it? And then what? how do we iterate on it and refine it for the next step and sort of bring people along on that journey? Um, and I think because I am resilient in that way, when things don't work or go as planned or unexpected things come up, yeah, I might have a reaction to that or get overwhelmed, but I can push that aside and keep going, dust myself off and go, okay, this is today's problem. Right. Let, it's not ideal. Yes, we just dealt with another problem over here, but we're just going to keep going and just keep trying things and keep working towards it. And because of that, I think I'm, I'm just really reliable. Like you can trust me to make things happen. I'm a doer and also just to keep working at it. So over time, how have your three uniques like morphed into like you being the person that you are today? Has there been like somebody that's been instrumental in like carving out that path for you um, and identifying those things? Or was it kind of like always there, the empathy, the communication? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. I think it's, I think these are things that I have, it's always been me, mm. um, right from a little kid. I, I think these traits were there. I think what's been important in my evolution has been actually having the confidence that those traits were worthy, if that mm. makes sense. Like in the corporate world, a lot of the traits that are um, revered are extreme intelligence or really quick thinking or um, ability to understand the numbers like without diving de into the details or that long-term strategic plan or just decisiveness like all of these things that in corporate America kind of you know most people revere right that's just the, a lot of those things not how I operate so for me the evolution has been recognizing that what I bring to the table is important and needed yes and so good that it's okay to be the style that I am and to be willing to seek out the um environments where that's valued as opposed to trying to shape shift myself into something that I'm not in an environment where they don't value the things that I'm strong in so, so important. And at the same time, knowing, knowing you for as long as I've, I've known you, you've also worked in, the, you've also been adaptable. You've had to work in those environments. You've made money, you've grown your career, you know, and now you're in this place where it's like, I can create my own business. And there are customers that want my style, my empathy, my approach to communication, my approach to problem solving uh, that fits in with their culture and their dynamics and their strategy. And so then there's that win-win. So I love the fact that, you know, throughout your career, in some cases, maybe you've had to persevere in organizations that aren't necessarily the, the true fit. It didn't stop you from learning HR and continuing to hone your craft. And at yeah. the same time, now you're at this place in your life and in your business 
where it's like, I can be who exactly who I want to be. And people want that in their business. And, you know, I can service them. I can package that up and, and share that with them. That's ideally, that's like, when I hear those type of stories, like everyone that's listening, that's what the three uniques is all about is understanding what makes you unique. And that out of the 8 billion people on this planet, somebody needs what you've got and just keep sharing it. You'll find your people that need what you've got. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I think as a consultant, it's very, uh, I'm very aware of the fact that I'm easy to get rid of, right? As a consultant, I, you don't have to fire me, pay me severance. Right. Like you can just say, we no longer need your services, Amber and team, right? And um, so when clients continue to work with me and, and make that active choice to continue to work with me and my team, it, you know that you are making an impact and that there's value there. Um, and so that immediate feedback loop is really helpful because then, then I understand that, yeah, they value what I'm bringing to the table and my style is what they need. And so that just reinforces and builds a bit more confidence and just trust in that. Yeah. I want to work with clients that value that. And I'm willing to, um, make those decisions that if there's a client that they don't value it, then I'm not going to spend my time trying to convince them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in the world, I spent more time trying to convince others. Yeah. And that never feels good for anybody that's sort of involved in that equation. So yeah, I think the formula that you've got going on right now sounds like a really good one, you know, for the long term, as far as like enriching for your clients, but also enriching for you and for your team that you're building. So where can people find you and how can they start working with you? Like, what would that process look like if they were like, I love everything I've heard and I want to start working with Amber and her team. Awesome. Yeah, we have a website, um, hydramc.ca. Uh, and so you can learn more about all three of our business areas there and, um, you know, reach out to us through our contact page. Um, we have, we're pretty active on LinkedIn, both our company pages and our individual pages and um, our link, our Instagram account, hydramgt consulting. Um, we've been starting to experiment a bit more with that medium. Um, so yeah, reach out anytime. I would love to have an initial chat and just understand what you're trying to achieve and how we can support. And I think that's the benefit of fractional support is that we're flexible. So you might have something right now that you need a lot of support and then it's going to dip and we're just in the background. We're just, you know, and then you can ramp us up again. Um, we also have different levels of experience within our company. And so um, you get the benefit of a strategic leader um, and then some of the more hands-on folks who are um, in the trenches and like making things happen and partnering on a day-to-day -day basis. And we can flex those resources, again, depending on the organization's need. So um, I love talking to people and hearing what their business is all about and what they're trying to achieve and seeing if there's a fit. Amazing. Amber, my last question for you is I was to give you a billboard and it could be anywhere in the world and you could put anything on it. Where would it be? And what would it say? Hmm. Yes. That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, because I think my purpose in the world is to create safe spaces for people to thrive I think I would just want the billboard to say, you know, you've got this. Mm -hmm. um, and 
in a way, I almost want that. I want mini billboards in everybody's workspace as okay. a reminder that someone's got their back. Right. Um, and that, you know, whatever they're going through and whatever um, they might be facing, that they've, they can handle it and they can figure it out. And um, there's lots of people that they can tap into that can support them through that. Amazing. Thanks so much, Amber, for being on today and sharing your three uniques with us. Thanks, Brenda. It's been great. I really appreciate you having me. And for everyone listening, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, get out there and share your three uniques. You never know what people are needing out there. And there's 8 billion people out there. So get out there and share what you've got. Take care, everyone.